The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Speaking of kids, uh, kids say the funniest things. Have you guys heard some like really funny stuff out of kids? It's like they say whatever is on their mind. And uh, you know, we probably, Christy and I should have wrote a book on all the statements we got over the years. We wrote a few down, but so many we missed. But some of the most funny things they come up with, just brutal honesty. See, see kids don't have filters. <laughs> They've got no filters at all. Uh, and if they're thinking it, they say it. If they're feeling it, they say it. If that's what they think they see, they just, they just say it. They're so transparent. They're so authentic. Uh, that what you see is what you get, and it's really amazing. Now, as we grow, as we grow, we begin to um, maybe filter our words a little better, which is probably good to filter some of the things we say, but another thing begins to happen to us. It seems like through life uh, and through observing others and through life experience, we can, if we're honest with each other, uh, begin to put up a couple of walls here and there that kids don't have at a young age. These are things that we start to put up, maybe these filters, uh, maybe filters on uh, what we share and what we don't share, what we're willing to reveal and what we're not willing to reveal, Uh, what we're really thinking or feeling or what we're not. When somebody says, hey, how you doing? You're like, oh, good, but you know it's terrible, but you say good. Little kids won't do that, but as adults, we tend to filter things differently. We tend to kind of put up these Um, levels, we limit our transparency and our authenticity, and these are things that we learn through life. I'm speaking about today because the the passage that Jesus is speaking to us on, it's Matthew 23, if you have your Bibles, is a glaring reality of a group of people who had all kinds of layers of filters up. They lacked transparency, they lacked authenticity, and Jesus goes right after the topic of putting up these things or taking them all down. And so since Jesus addresses this people group in one passage today, in one chapter, we're going to break it down in one chapter. And I have to say this, when you look at the Bible, and this is what's amazing about Jesus, Jesus never really singles out a people group. Uh, He did talk about certain cities that were living a certain way for a long time, but he didn't single out a people group. In other words, he didn't say, hey, all of you tax collectors, you guys are living terribly and you guys are, he didn't do that. He didn't say all you prostitutes, all you drunkards. He didn't do that. He just said, hey guys, sin no more, turn and follow me. And people would turn and follow him. And he didn't judge them where they were at. He will come back to judge the living dead, but he didn't judge them. The Bible says the Son of Man did not come to judge, but to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to judge. And so we shouldn't judge either, amen? If Jesus didn't come to judge, then Christ followers shouldn't judge either, amen? It's important because that's what's going on in the passage. This other group of people, they do judge. They judge a lot. They judge often. And judgment is a very big part of their life. And Jesus did not come to judge, and he's teaching these followers to to walk in the ways of God as the way and the truth and the life. But this people group over here is actually wrecking it because God's got a way. He's trying to provide insight and liberty and, and understanding. And this group over here, which happens to be the Pharisees and scribes, the religious leaders, they're actually wrecking faith for many people. So Jesus takes this very personally, and the Bible says judgment begins with the house of God. Leaders are called to a higher standard, the Bible says. I personally tremble over that fact, 
Any of you, do who, any of you who do teach any kind of Bible study or anything like that, you should tremble at, over that fact because it is a scriptural reality. We've got to be extra careful on how we handle the things of God in a way that honors Him, that is true to Scripture and to the Spirit. But these religious leaders were wrecking people's lives. And Jesus has been dealing with them for three years, and now He's finally saying, this group of people, and he starts to expose uh, what's going on in their life. And here's the thing, guys, if we're honest. Some of the things that this people group does, these Pharisees, could very well be in our lives too, if we're honest. Um, We might look at the list of some of these things and go, yeah, that's not me. Thank God I'm not one one of those. But if we're honest, we might go, yeah, I think I actually do that too, And I kind of do that too. I don't do that one as much as I used to, but yes, I still do that. And to me, there's one glaring thing I hope you remember today. If there's only one thing that you remember today, I hope it's this. Lord, get the Pharisee out of me. Lord, get the Pharisee out of me. Would you say that with me? One, two, three. Lord, get the Pharisee out of me. If there's one thing you take home today. That's what this whole chapter is about. Lord, get the Pharisee out of me because it's a glaring thing and he addresses his people group on what they do or what they don't do or how they put weight on other people or how they view things. And Jesus is like, you're wrecking faith for people. That's not a good witness. When they see that, they don't want to have anything to do with the ways of God because it's misrepresenting and we're supposed to be witnesses for him. We're supposed to be Christ-like and he's like, that is not the way to do it. Now, here's the thing. These guys were the example. They were the teachers. So everybody looked to them and there was no one else to look at and they were ruining it. So Jesus shows up and people are following him, but Much of the culture is immersed in this leadership, and so he has to address it, Um, but Jesus was authentic all the time. Jesus said what he meant, meant what he said. Uh, If if Jesus had a a, a turning in his heart, if he had a a, a turmoil, um, you know, he looked at people and and, and he just, his heart broke with compassion. And you can see it in the scriptures that, you know, he's like, he looked at the people and he, and he just felt their pain. He, 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 you knew what he meant. He said what he meant. He felt it. Um, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He's got a friend who dies. He just, mm, he can't hold it back. He's not going to stay composed. He's not going to try to be proper. He's not going to try. He just wept. Shortest verse in the Bible because his heart broke for his friend and for his friend's family. And so the Bible is full of these things. When Jesus was ready to go to the cross, which we're going to see as we go through this book of Matthew, one of the most, the hardest thing he ever did in his life was take on the, 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 the cross to pay for the sins of the world. But before he did, he's having, in the last, in the garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's praying and he's like, Father, I know it's about to come. It's actually going to start in a couple of hours. Oh, Father, if there's any way, any way, Father, you can take this cup away from me. And he's like sweating blood. It's like, oh, this is going to be insanely hard to do. God, if you can take it away. And some of us would say, well, Jesus doesn't talk that way. You know, he's God's son. He's God's son. He's the son of God and the son of man at the same time. And that's the amazing thing. The son of God became the son of man so that sons of men might become sons of God. That's laid out in the word for us. He came so that we can be restored in relationship. And Jesus is even saying, Father, if there's any way in anguish, being real, authentic, transparent, he's not hiding it from us. 
This is hard, God. It's hard, Father. If this can go away, this cup that I'm about to endure, please take it away. Okay, not my will, but yours be done. And he steps into it anyway. That's authenticity. He's not... He's not acting like there isn't a struggle. There is a glaring struggle, and he shares it. But he walks in faith anyway, and that's what Christians need to do because when you and I act like there isn't a struggle, when we act like everything is good, when we act like we've got it all together, we start to find that we're in the camp of these Pharisees, and we need to pray, Lord, get the Pharisee out of me. God, don't let me drift over here. Get the Pharisee out of me. So um, that's... a. you know, a, a pretty clear setup for this one. Now, um, if you have friends and family that come to visit you from other parts of the country, and I know we do, we have my sister-in-law, Lori, here today. We're so glad you're here from, from Texas. Um, but uh, here's the thing, and also we have uh, Caleb from Mississippi in the room who we met. Yeah, anybody else from out of town this morning? Anybody else from out of town? Awesome. From where? Come on, Colorado's in the house too, I love it. Uh, here's the thing, when, friends and family, when people come from far away, they see this as coming out to where Hollywood is, right? When people come out here, they're like, oh, you guys live in Hollywood. Well, it's basically Hollywood. LA is this, this big place where we make a lot of movies everywhere and they're shooting them on every corner and it's just kind of a, a way of life out here. But in Hollywood, we have a lot of actors and a lot of friends that act and there is a terminology, there is a, a statement that actors make all the time and it is very true to their craft, uh, and you've heard it before, and that statement is, fake it until you make it, right? Fake it until you make it. And you know what? That's what actors are supposed to do. In fact, that's what actors get paid for. They are paid to take on another persona. You could be the calmest, mildest, most timid person in the world, but they're paying you to be a warrior. So on the count of three, boom, you turn into a warrior, right? You're not a warrior, but you turn into one because they're paying you to take on this persona and to fake it until you make it. So again, that's what actors are supposed to do, and it can be any kind of role you think. And you, you know, I, I'm more this kind of person, but when the camera turned on, boom, I was this. I just, I, I, it's not who I am, but I, I jumped into it anyway, and I put this thing on. And that is um, what, what actors get paid to do. Now, could you imagine um, if they asked you to do something and you could not fake it, and they said, okay, we want you to be a... Um, a warrior right now, and the camera rolls, and you just sat there, you know, shy or sad, because uh, you weren't capable of changing characters, changing into something else. Um, actors get paid for it, and they do it every day, they take on roles all the time, all kinds of stuff, but this term, fake it till you make it, I don't know if you realize, but, but Jesus never said that, amen? In the kingdom of God, for the family leader, he never said, but in the industry, you have to, because you've got to be what they pay you to be, and take this role, do it great, now do this role, do it great, and this is all day long, on a dime, go, on the count of three, you're a warrior, on the count of three, you're a police officer, on the count of three, you're whatever it is, you go, and over here, Jesus never said to us, fake it till you make it, in the sense of the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were faking it in a lot of ways, guys, lacking transparency, lacking authenticity, um, They were lacking it in a big way. And we don't need to fake anything. In fact, the church needs to be a safe place. The church needs to be a place where people can be real and people can be authentic. One of the biggest issues that people have when you talk to people who are unchurched or de-churched, one of the biggest uh, statements people would have is, well, sometimes the church can be hypocrites. Have you heard this? 
It's what they think. Sometimes a church can be hypocrites or the church can be judgmental. Um, But the church needs to be a place that as a family, people can find uh, encouragement. People can share burdens. People can find uh, help in times of need. And if you are in any kind of small group, whether you're in men's Bible study or women's group or you're in a life group, community group or any kind, you know you can be real with those around you. And you see the power of God's kingdom and being real and transparent in a healthy environment where people say, how can I pray for you? What do you need right now? And we help each other walk out the things of life in a very real way. And the church is designed to be that kind of place of authenticity. Now, before we jump into this passage, Matthew 23, if you guys want to turn there, um, we're going to bang out this chapter. It's, 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 a, it's this on-rolling statement about Pharisees not being authentic, not being transparent. Um, and the, the, the earliest, um, speaking of actors, the earliest actors that we know historically is in the Greek uh, culture. Uh, the earliest actors didn't have amplification. They were in an amphitheater. And the people would sit and listen very quietly. And it was shaped in a way that they could hear sounds. But even, we didn't have cameras to, to zoom in or blow things up. So they, they dramatized things. And early on, the earliest form of actors would put on a, a mask. And there was the two masks, the happy face and the sad face. You guys have all seen that before, right? So they would go out there and it would be very dramatic to the audience. Oh, obviously a very sad scene happening. Oh, a very obvious happy scene going on. And it was very dramatic and everyone's like understood very clearly what was going on. The Greek actors wore a mask. And that word for a masked actor, an actor with a mask on, the very word for that is where we get our word Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Now, we think of a hypocrite as a bad person. We use it in a negative connotation. It simply meant an actor with a mask. And when you have an actor with a mask, you could be looking down there, and they're running around stage playing a very happy part. The whole play, they're doing a happy part. But that person might be going through the worst thing in their life right now. You'd have no idea why, because it's an actor with a mask. That is a hypocrite, not in a negative connotation. It is simply an actor with a mask. You have no idea on what's going on behind the mask. And this is the word that Jesus uses about the religious leaders in Israel, that they have on a mask and they're not being real and they're not being authentic. And this whole passage is about their lack of authenticity, their lack of transparency, and the mask that they are living behind as, listen to this guys, as religious people. People that have a relationship with God or are supposed to People that understand or know scripture or teach it or are supposed to and yet live their whole life behind this kind of mask. And it's a glaring reality for us. And when we look at some of the distinctions in their life, the things they do or don't do, you might say to yourself, well, that's not me. Or yeah, I used to struggle with that. But again, if we're honest and we're transparent, we might say, you know what, Lord? Yeah, I get that, Lord. Take the Pharisee out of me. Take the Pharisee out of me because that, that, that's not our future. That's not where he's calling us to live. So Jesus addresses this stuff uh, pretty straightforwardly and he addresses people pretending uh, when we're supposed to be honest, transparent, living out our faith, keeping it real. And so we're in Matthew 23. If you have your Bible with you, we're gonna jump into this passage. Again, the setting is that people, the believers are surrounded by Pharisees. Uh, it's finally at the end of Jesus's three-year ministry, uh, public ministry on earth, and he addresses the Pharisees very directly. Um, 
And uh, really, their, their hypocrisy, wearing the mask and not being real, honest, and transparent about what's really going on in here, but putting on a front on the outside. And uh, if we're honest, again, check our hearts this morning, guys, because we all can have a little bit of Pharisee going on on the inside. I know I catch myself sometimes, something comes up, and, and, and you're worried about what somebody might think or what's, how somebody sees you, and then you start worrying more about that than, wait a second, how does God see me right now? How does God see me right now? Do I really care that much about how they see me? Because sometimes we do. And when we do, we elevate that to a very high place. What are they going to think? They're all looking at me. They're all watching me. What are they going to say? And we worry and we end up becoming, man is a slave to whatever masters him. A woman is a slave to whatever masters her. And if you're worried about what people think of you and how they look at you, then, then we become a slave to how people see us. Paul says in Galatians, listen, I can't live my life trying to make people happy. I have to make my life, live my life making God happy. He says, listen, if I lived my life trying to still please people, then I would be a slave to that. But I am a servant of Christ, and I live my life to please God. Does that make sense? Hopefully you will make people happy, but only as a result of living for God, not the other way around, because we can't serve two masters, and if we're living our life to make everybody happy, we're probably not living our life to make God happy. The Pharisees were not living to make God happy. They were living so that everyone saw them in this amazing esteem. Wow, look at them. They are so profound. They are so good. They are so holy. They are so perfect. They've got it all together, and wow, I can never be like them. And that's how Israel was living. In fact, they were living that way under such a load, like how could I ever be right with God? I can't do it. And so they're living this life, faking it, and Jesus was so real and authentic, the crowds are following him. Even drunkards and tax collectors and prostitutes are like, we get him. He's real. He's authentic. He shares struggles, but he doesn't make an excuse for sloppy living. He says, turn and follow me. So all these people are like, I can deal with that. We're not perfect, but I can deal with someone who's authentic. And they start following Jesus and discovering uh, more about themselves and more about his ways. So here's the glaring reality with the Pharisees. We're going to look at it in sections, starting in verse 1, if you want to follow along on your device, your phone, your Bible, or we have on the screen for you. And it starts like this. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do. For they practice, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and most important seat in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces or be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructor for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here, Jesus is exposing a glaring reality about how the Pharisees lived, how they portrayed themselves, what was important to them, 
and what is really important in the kingdom of God if we want to have a heart for God as, as Christ followers. And he, he breaks this down saying that these Pharisees, he uses the term hypocrites, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, I want to stress again, he didn't point to any people group and say and all the tax collectors are a bunch of losers. He didn't say that. He didn't say all the drunkards or, the, or all the... He didn't say that. He said it about the religious leaders because they're acting like they have it all down and they're leading people the wrong way. This is the only group that he came out and directed all this intentionality about their fake lifestyle. And he says that they are actors wearing a mask. You have no clue on who's behind. They could have the happy face on and really there's a sad face. Or more importantly, they're acting like they're pure and holy, but there's all kinds of junk going on through this actor's mask. That's what he's exposing about the hypocrisy. And how many of you know hypocrisy can cause some serious spiritual damage? Come on, hypocrisy can cause some serious spiritual damage. We've all heard stories of a ministry, maybe a bigger, small ministry or big ministry, it doesn't matter, we've all heard the stories. And even if we haven't had personal experience with it, we've seen it or heard it somewhere where somebody is at this level of a spiritual leader in some kind of way and something crazy goes on and we're like, what happened, right? You guys have heard this? And we're all so saddened and so disappointed, right? It hurts people along the way. It wrecks people's, it helps to shipwreck people's faith when there's hypocrisy instead of just being real about struggles and transparent about struggles and being in a safe place where we can get help with our struggles. This category doesn't ever share a struggle and acts like there is no struggle. And um, the kingdom of God, we're supposed to be able to do that. So here's a couple of key things about these guys. Uh, Number one thing Jesus is calling them out for is they do not practice what they preach. They're saying one thing, they're living another way. This is a sign of a Pharisee, guys. And, and when we look at these, again, say, God, if I'm saying one thing but doing another, maybe I too have a little Pharisee in me. So God, <laughs> get the Pharisee out of me. God, get the, that's my prayer today. If there's one thing you take home, it's if I do this, God, I want to be walking right, transparently, authentically in you. I don't want to mask. I don't want to go through acting like I'm this Christian, this person. If I'm do it. Let me be real about it, God. Take the Pharisee out of me. So they didn't practice what they preach. The other thing they did is they put heavy loads on people. They put loads on people to say, if you want to be right with God, if you want to be right with God, you need to do, and they give them a list of doing things, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and people are like, oh my goodness, I got to do all that. And it seems overwhelming, like I don't think I can pull that off. And Jesus is saying, Come to me, all of you who are weary and have a heavy load. I'll give you rest. Because they are a burden giver, and Jesus is a burden taker. Jesus takes our burdens away. And they're over here loading people up with burdens. And Jesus is like, no wonder people are getting turned away from God. You're throwing a bunch of burdens on their back, and God never gave them those burdens. And this is what happens when humanity starts to add to the things God says God says one thing and people start throwing a bunch more on top. It can really be confusing to people. You know, and there's a lot of things throughout history, even in the Christian church today, there are some denominations, God bless them, they love the Lord, but they'll say like, if you dance, you're in sin. You're going to hell. And it's like, some people are raised that way and they believe God says it and they're like, oh my goodness, I don't, this is really hard. And if you play an instrument in church, instruments are evil and they don't belong in church, that's the devil's instrument. And you can't, and so Chris, believe this. This is being taught in some circles. And it's, God never said any of these things. He never said them. So even in the Christian church, we can start putting loads on people 
that God simply never put. Does that make sense? And they were doing it back then too. If you do this, if your hair is this way, you sit. If you have a TV, it's sin. You know, it's like, really? We're, I, okay, so you know, consecrate our lifestyle to the Lord. Seek the word and the spirit for your lifestyle and display. Be honest and transparent with the people around you you can trust that are walking with Christ too. But don't put loads on people that they can't bear because Jesus came to address that. The other thing they were doing, they really wanted to be seen and receive honor. Honor was big to them. How people saw them, how people addressed them, how people recognized them, they kind of went through life <laughs> wanting that seat there, wanting to be seen, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be called out. Again, we said earlier, if, we, if we're trying to please man, we become a slave. We're a slave of what masters us. And we can't do that and God at the same time. We have to say, God, I want to please you. I hope they're happy, but if they're not, no problem. I want to please you, God. That's driving me to put a smile on your face. Live a life that makes God smile and brings him glory. And that's not what the Pharisees were doing. So here's how we keep it real. Right out of the gate, if you're a note taker, here's the first three points. I want to address them really quick on how we keep it real, uh, unlike the Pharisees, how we keep it real based on the things that they were doing, uh, which were not keeping it real. So the first one is by practicing what we preach and doing nothing for show. Uh, We practice what we preach and do nothing for we show. If we believe it, we try to walk it out, guys. And guess what? If we're struggling, we could say, that's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm struggling and I'm working it out. Is that honest or not? That's honest. And people can get that and people relate to that and people respect that. But if we act like there's nothing we need to work on and we act like everything's perfect and we're doing a different thing than what we're actually preaching, that is a flat-out contradiction And we're even in denial ourselves that we're wearing a mask, amen? So we're wearing a mask, but we're in denial that we're wearing a mask. We're acting like everything's perfect, and it's not. And people might even see that and go, that's not real, that's not authentic. I can't relate, and I'm not following you as you follow Christ. But if we follow Christ with our struggles, with no mask on, and say, listen, I am trying to practice what I preach, but I fall short. But I am getting up, and I'm turning, and I'm repenting, and I'm walking with God, and I'm an open book, and I'm transparent about it. People will go, I get that. I will follow you as you follow Christ. Does that make sense? That's important. That's the way Jesus was living. That's the way the disciples were living. That's not the way the Pharisees were living. Clash of cultures, first century, right in front of us. Uh, And if we practice what we preach, one of the main things we preach is grace and mercy. God so loved the world, he sent his son. Because we needed God's grace and we needed God's mercy. And that's why Jesus came to pour out this amazing grace upon us as a free gift of grace and to pour out mercy. And so if we are going to practice what we preach, we have to um, not just talk about grace and mercy, which we do as Christians, but we need to practice grace and mercy if we're going to practice what we preach. The Pharisees did not practice any grace or mercy. And I'll be honest with you, it's a lot easier to give someone the law, boom, than it is to give somebody grace or mercy. You realize that? Very easy to take out the hammer and go, here's the law, boom. Very easy to do that. Anybody can do it just like that. It's a lot harder to extend grace and mercy in times of need. And Jesus isn't walking around with a hammer, giving everyone judgment. He's turning around giving grace and mercy. If we're going to practice what we preach, we have to be honest even with struggles when it comes to matters of grace and mercy. We have to even have compassion when others are struggling. Not an excuse for a sloppy lifestyle, no, but compassion for the struggle people are in so we can walk alongside them. Does that make sense? 
That's practicing what we preach. Pharisees had no room for that, not even an ounce of room for that. They separate struggles. They moved away from anyone with a struggle. No one with a struggle was even allowed in their camp. No way. They were afraid it would rub off on them. And Jesus is walking down the road with the whole entourage of people. But you know what he was doing? He was walking them to heaven. He was walking them all right to heaven. And they related to him. And people the least likely that you could ever imagine were walking with him on their way to heaven. But the Pharisees had no pride. They were not practicing. There was no grace and mercy in their in their, in their worldview. Um, so that's an important one. Um, second one is, uh, is this, guys, is um, by respecting that God created us all equal. I need to stress this. By, by really respecting the fact that God created us all equal. He made us all equal. Uh, God is not partial, the Bible says. I know we looked at this more in some previous weeks, but it's coming out here. The Pharisees saw themselves as better than. And you've heard people have an issue with the concept of being holier than thou, holier, and it bothers people. And the reason it bothers people is because it comes across as someone is better or more holy or more, and it just bugs them because it's so unattainable and it's so lofty. How many of you know we're all sinners that need a savior? How many know, every hand ought to be up. How many know we're all sinners that need a savior? Okay, so you get up in the morning just like the Pope does. Uh, you get up in the morning and have breakfast just like he does. Uh, we're all on the same level, guys. We all got to get on our shoes. We got to all walk out the door. We all got to pray. We're all on the same level. God created us equal, and that's important because Pharisees do not really see it that way. They don't really. Uh, sinners are downgraded half citizens, and they don't belong in the camp. Um, Pharisees have this thing about how they're seen and how others aren't, and they are elevated above, and they are higher than, and they are holier than. And if you, listen, if you in any of your actions or thoughts or language or jokes or anything put people in different groups between you and the Lord, you might need to say, God, get the Pharisee out of me. Get the Pharisee out of me. Because God sees uh, everyone uh, impartially. We're created equal in his sight, and that's important. No one's above another. In fact, when people think they are above another, the scripture, like the Pharisees, Jesus said in that context that he will humble those who exalt themselves, think they're better than, and he will exalt those who are humble in God's economy. It's amazing what he, what he does. That would have been shocking for the Pharisees to hear. And the third thing he says in this passage is that the, the greatest is the servant, the Pharisees weren't serving anybody. They wanted to be esteemed and seen. Phylacteries, they put scriptures in boxes. And, uh, you know, you can see this today in Israel. And if you live in an Orthodox or Hasidic Jewish neighborhood, you might see um, Jewish people wearing a strap with a little box on their head or on their arms, if you've ever seen this, or um, on TV or something. But what it is is they might have, like, the whole book of Isaiah written so puny, so small, you can't even, it's like micro print. It's crazy how they do it. And they roll it all up and they put it in a box. So you got the whole book of Isaiah right here. You might have the book of Jeremiah here. You might have, and it's like, wow. So they feel like, wow, I really got the word of God on me. But it doesn't mean it's coming out or it's living as a lifestyle. It just feels, Jesus said, you guys are walking around with my box is bigger than yours. (laughs) I got more scripture than you do and long things to be seen and recognized. And Jesus is like, listen, guys, the greatest is the servant of all. What is that? Jesus came to lay his life down. Jesus washed feet. Do you realize that? The one who raised the dead washed feet. You guys ever think about that? The one who raised the dead washed feet. And the disciples, he said, you guys wash feet too. And they washed feet and they raised the dead. It's amazing. But, but, but the religious leaders, they, 
We never do that. And he talks about they're not even willing to serve. And Jesus said greatness comes from, some, from serving. So uh, greatness is not the one with the best resume. And greatness is not found in the one with the most letters after their name, PhD, MD, blah, 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 blah. it's none of those things. That's not greatness. Greatness, Jesus said, comes from serving. The greatest of all is the servant of all. And if you have serving in your life, if you are serving God by serving others for the glory of God, well then, this, this wouldn't apply to you. But if you're in this camp going, I don't do anything, and I just, I just want people to serve me, and sometimes we find ourselves over here, and you might go, oh, that's Pharisee category. Believing in God, saying we believe in God, but not representing Jesus and really doing what Jesus did by serving. Oh, God, sorry, would you get the Pharisee out of me? I want to move out of that category. That's what this is all about. So he was speaking to people who really loved their titles. I just want to say this really quickly. He talked about the concept of calling people father or calling them rabbi. Um, and so this is, the, this is what he means by this is people demanding respect, demanding that they're called. Maybe you had a teacher that said, no, you call me Dr. So-and-so or because they really like want, it's it really important to them that they're called by a title because they get so much identity in it. That might be okay in academia or in some professional realms, but in the kingdom of God, it shouldn't be a driver. In the kingdom of God, we shouldn't say we demand this level of respect. The apostle Paul didn't do that. In fact, the apostle Paul started out saying, in early in his walk, said, I'm the apostle Paul specially called by God as an apostle, specially called. And later in his life, we see how God matured him. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm Paul and I'm the chief of sinners. Now you tell me which one is more relatable to you. This one over here or this one over here, specially called by God to be an apostle. Is this the guy you're running after who's going to get you and relate to you? And you're going to, this guy over here is like, I've been walking with him a long time. I'm a chief of sinners. I'm still figuring it out. Which one are you, which one are you relating to? That, yeah, because he's being real and being authentic and being transparent. And God is getting the Pharisee out of him. And over time, the Pharisee came more and more out of him. This is the kind of guy on a mission trip with Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. When they were going to go on a second mission trip, young John Mark, he quit. They did a mission trip. And young John Mark, it was overwhelming. He's like, I'm a young kid. I can't handle this. I don't like the persecution. I'm out of here. He goes home. Years later, they're going on another one. And they said, we're bringing John Mark. And Paul's like, there's no way we're bringing that dude. And Barnabas is like, come on, give him a shot. You know, he, he made a mistake and he quit, but he won't quit. And Paul's like, no, he's a quitter. He's not coming. We don't take quitters. This is, this is Paul. Later on in Paul's life, would you get John Mark? I love that dude. <laughs> I need that dude. He is. He's like, bring him to me, man. I... That guy's the best. I need him. What happened to him? God started to take the Pharisee out of him. Do you see that? And he's doing that with all of us if we let him, by his word and spirit, get the Pharisee out of us. And so in this passage, we do know uh, when it comes to uh, titles, what he's really saying about father and, and teacher and these other things. We know Paul um, uh, was, was called a teacher, and we know that Paul... Uh, called himself a spiritual father in a few scriptures, meaning he raised people in the faith and he helped grow them in the Lord, but he never demanded any title. In fact, he, he really addressed the title thing pretty strong. Um, so he wasn't dogmatic about like somebody's uh, spiritually helping people grow and shepherd people and these things. He wasn't being dogmatic on the title. He was being critical of people who demanded titles like these Pharisees who wanted to be called rabbi, teacher, in public, in front of everyone. We know Paul later on said about this topic to the Corinthians, he's like, guys, 
everyone in Corinth is saying, oh yeah, well, we follow, we follow Apollos, because he's like this great rock star level pastor. We follow Apollos, and the other one's like, yeah, well, we follow Paul, because we think Paul is like this rock star. But, and all of a sudden, we're raising leaders to this rock star level in the, in the kingdom of God, and, and Paul's like, guys, what are you talking about? We don't follow leaders like rock stars and make them into these idols. We follow Christ, he's telling the Corinthians. 2,000 years ago, we don't elevate people to this place and this thing. And, and here's the problem about this, guys. We can elevate people to this place of this extreme spiritual leadership that we put them there or we put themselves way, way under. Does that make sense? And, and this, is the, this is what happened with the Pharisees. They were elevated up and they came under this thing and God's like, I didn't actually sanction that kind of thing. Does this make sense? They demanded this respect and people came over. Corinthians were doing it. Well, we follow Apollos. He's like the one. He's like the ultimate. We follow Paul. He's like, guys, we follow Christ, okay? If you like the way I'm walking, then follow me as I follow Christ. But we follow Christ. And he wanted to be really clear um, on this this topic. Um, it, It reminds me when I think of how faith, even Christianity, has taken an elevated Uh, people beyond a place that represents Jesus, beyond something that looks like Jesus. Um, When I read the scriptures and I see how Jesus walked, he walked in the same dusty ground everybody else did. Um, He walked down the road with them. He wept with people. He cried with them. He praised with people. He taught people. But he was with people. He never removed himself to go up on the side of a mountain and live there where people could only visit him once. He never separated. He walked with people. He did life with people authentically, transparently as God's son. And he walked with them. And it was very relatable. But my experience, uh, I was raised, and this is uh, not to speak condescendingly if anyone has uh, a, a background in the Catholic faith, but I was raised with uh, Catholic faith. And I had an experience in fifth grade that really kind of rocked my world. Um, and it has to do with this topic exactly. In fact, it was uh, a time when I, I was in about fifth grade and they said like the whole leader, the leader of the faith, wasn't the Pope, but it was way up there. It wasn't the priest, it wasn't the Monsignor, it wasn't the bishop. It was like the Archbishop, Archbishop of New York was going to come the, to the school I went to. And he was going to like impart some thing to the kids. And, and so like fifth grade, you're like, whoa, who's coming? It's like Jesus is coming, you know? It's like, I mean, to a kid, it's because you don't read the Bible, so you're like, this is the guy closest to God you'll ever meet, right? So this is what I believe. And so again, I'm not saying kind of, I'm just sharing my experience. Again, you can have an amazing uh, walk with God and journey with God in the Catholic faith. I want to be clear, I'm not, I'm saying, I am saying this is my experience and it shocked me and rocked my world. On the day that I was supposed to get this blessing, they had a big, massive chair, golden-looking chair, big th- a throne. It was a throne. And on the throne was this man with big robes and gold. I think we have a picture of what it could look like. Um, kind of like this realm right here. Kinda, that's about as close as I can get. Um, gold and everything like that. It was just one, not two, but you get the, you get the point. Big gold, big staff, big everything. And, and I had to come up as a fifth grader in front of everybody, come up and kneel in front of this man in a, in a big throne. And as I'm kneeling before him, uh, there was not going to be any blessing in part of it until I reached forward, grabbed his hand, and kissed his ring. So I'm kneeling before the closest person I'm 
I think, to Jesus, at least in my young mind, and on a throne and kissing a ring, and, and then all of a sudden there's a, some kind of pronouncement of something. And when I started reading the scriptures, Jesus never did that. He didn't say, everyone, come and kneel before me and kiss my ring. In fact, he's down washing feet. Does that make sense? He's weeping with those who, and I, and I just, for me, maybe not for you, and again, this is your tradition, that's great, but I'm like, I'm very confused now. Did you see how a young kid, does anybody see how this could confuse a young kid? Is this Jesus? Is this what I'm supposed, is this the highest level of spirit direction I could do according to biblical history? And, and, and as a young kid, it was, and I was very confused and contorted by it. But when I started reading the book, I'm like, wait a second. That's not who he did or what he taught, nor is it the way his believers and anyone rolled. In fact, no one was rolling like that until way after the fourth century where that started to develop. There was nowhere in the history of the church. And I'm like, thank God, because I don't know that I'd want to be like that. For me, this is just me personally, I, wouldn't, I wasn't aspiring to, to become or, or do uh, this. But all that to say is, uh, I realized that even the Christian church can start to adapt some of that Pharisee thing very easily, not only in the leaders, but in your life and in mine. We all can get a little Pharisee on the inside and want to be seen and want to be viewed and also, you know, figuratively having the ring kiss, so to speak. And it's like, Jesus is like, listen, those who humble themselves, I will exalt. And those who exalt themselves, I will humble. And it's just not the heart of God in his economy. And it's important uh, to note. And this next part, guys, I think out of respect for time, oh boy, I want to ask you guys, I want to, I'm going to summarize these woes for you. I, I, I really, uh, I want to summarize these for you. I, I do want you to read them. I do want to summarize what he's saying. These are directed, you know how the um, early in Matthew's gospel, there's the Beatitudes, blessed are those who, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the, he's saying happy are those if you have this attitude and this heart condition, you are blessed and happy. This is Matthew's gospel Chapter 5, blessed are all of you with this disposition, you are blessed. Here he is in 23 saying, Pharisees, not blessed are you, um, not happy are you, um, woe to you for these heart conditions and these kind of attitudes. And he starts calling out things that are very specific to the Jewish Pharisees at the time. Some of them don't apply directly to us. In other words, they're swearing by the temple and the gold in the temple and the you know, and you're thinking, what does it have to do with me? Uh, but I, I do want to ask you to please read this passage today, but I do want to summarize what he says to them about their hearts so that we can make sure that we get the Pharisee out of us. He says this to them. He says that they, they shut the door on God's kingdom to people. In other words, instead of saying, come as you are, just turn and follow. Don't try to get your life perfectly right. Just doesn't matter where you are. Just just turn and start following him. And as you start following, Jesus will start helping and revealing and helping us get tuned up. And along the way, the journey, this is what we do, but that's not what they did. They shut the door. You can't get in, you can't get in, you can't get in. You're not good enough, you're not good. And they shut the door to people. And Jesus is like, I can't believe, woe to you guys for doing that. Don't ever shut the door to the kingdom on people. God's got a wide open invitation. God so loves the whole world. There's an open invitation and our job is to actually plunder hell to populate heaven, amen? Plunder hell, it's a wide open door. So, but the Pharisees were shutting the door and telling everyone who's not good enough to get in and Jesus is like, that's wrong. So they were shutting the door of the kingdom uh, and Jesus said, hinder them not from coming. Um, and the, 
they would swear by some things but not by other things, which is just semantics like saying, um, you, you know, somebody might say, well, these words are not really that much of a cuss word, but these words are actually cuss words. But I, I do these ones but not those ones, or I swear. And, and the context is, really, uh, do we do this or do we not do that? Do we think it's good or do we think it's not good? What are the ways of God regarding the language and the things we say that come out of our mouth? For them, it was swearing and taking oaths by the gold or the temple or the you know, or the altar or the, and Jesus is like, guys, that's crazy to get into semantics over this kind of stuff. So um, he's saying swearing is swearing. And so, uh, and then they cared more about the outside appearance than their true spiritual condition. And here's the only one good thing out of this whole passage he says about them. He has a correction for them, but he has one good thing. And it's in verse 23. And he simply says this to them. And it's just interesting out of this whole thing. It's the only positive thing he's got to say about this group. It said, he says that they tithed, they tithed, they gave a tenth to the kingdom of God, they tithed, but they totally lacked justice and mercy and faithfulness. And Jesus is saying, guys, you should have done both. In fact, he says specifically in verse 23, you should have practiced the latter, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former, the tithing. So Jesus tells these Pharisees, okay, the one good thing you do is tithe, but don't just think tithing and lacking grace and mercy is okay. You've got to practice grace, mercy, and tithing, but practice that while you also do the former. And, and I just thought it was interesting that Jesus um, brought that out for these guys. And so there's, there's these mindsets and these attitudes um, that the Pharisees had. And, and my prayer today, guys, is that we look at their lives, we look at what they did, and you might say, hey, I'm not a Pharisee from the first century, but, but pray about this, Holy Spirit, what is the area, if any, that I put a mask on myself? Spiritually, I'm not transparent. I, I have a mask on and people see one thing, but really, I'm another. And it's not that we're perfect, we're all sinners that need a savior, but I'm just not being honest. I'm just not being transparent. I'm not being transparent with you, God, or I'm not being transparent with my friend, my brother, or my sister who I can trust and confide and who will help me in our time of need. Uh, wh when we stop saying like King David did so transparently saying, search me, O God, search me, God, and know my ways, and, and, and Lord, restore unto me the joy of myself. Whatever is not right, I don't want to fake it, God. I'm not going to wear a mask. Make it right, God. Search this heart of mine and show me, God, show me what I need to know. But something in this heart of mine, God, isn't right. And I just pray, Lord, I just pray that you get the heart right. Show me. Let me live transparently before you and before others. That's what's going on in the passage. That's a question that the Pharisees would not say. They would not dare touch that one. And he's calling us today. So I just want to ask you guys to stand with me for a moment. Because I think if we're going to be honest before God, we all might have a little bit of Pharisee in them. How many of you guys would like to say, Lord, get the Pharisee out of me? Anybody? I do. Amen. So let's just, let's just pray right now and ask, ask God to do this in our hearts right now. Mighty God, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it, God. And forgive us, Lord, for the Pharisee in us, God. Forgive us for the parts that are uh, hypocrisy, God. Whether we meant to, whether we were ignorant or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, from this day forward, you're telling us to keep it real to keep it real. As sons and daughters of God, there are struggles 
And Lord, there's a fight for victory. And sometimes we're going through it. And sometimes we're winning. And sometimes it doesn't feel like we're winning. But God, let us be real with you. Let us be real with those around us. Let us seek you in our time of need. Let us confess our sins to one another so we'll be healed. Let us find a safe place with our brothers and sisters to say, hey, here's what I'm going through. I don't like it. Can you help me? And pray with each other and just be real about these things so that we're not living as hypocrites. We're not living as Pharisees. We're, working as, we're walking as people who are, are, we're walking out our salvation with fear and trembling, God. We're just figuring it out and, and learning how to walk closer to you. We don't claim to have it down this side of heaven. We're learning how to walk with you according to your word and your spirit. And if we slip and fall, We're going to get up and turn and keep walking, but we're not going to act like everything's perfect and we have it all down. We're going to, um, Lord, relate to people around us, practice what we uh, preach with compassion and mercy, God, not just believe in the doctrine of it or the principle of it or the theology of it, Lord. We're going to believe in the practice of it, Lord. There's people all around us that are struggling, that you're asking us to relate to them, to come down off of any high horse, to come down and take a knee. Come down and look him in the eye and say, the Lord sees you and I get you and I understand and it's tough. And they'd say, you do? They can't believe that would come from the church. Absolutely, I do. And we'd say, we don't sit on a throne. God never put us on a throne. He came to serve and just want to share his love with you. He's got nothing but grace and mercy for you. He doesn't judge you. The son of man did not come to judge. He came to give life, to seek and save the lost. And as Paul would say, out of all of them, he's like, I'm the chief of sinners. We're all working out our stuff. I know one thing. He's the way, the truth, and the life. All we have to do is turn and start following, and the journey begins. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the grave for my sins. I received that provision today. I believe I turn and follow. I don't have it down, God. It might take a long time, but I am committing to the journey. I'm going to walk with you in this mission of grace and mercy. I'm going to be real about it. I'm going to discover what it means to walk in truth and walk in life. But in the meantime, I'm starting right now, God. And so, Lord, you see every heart in this room. You hear every heart, see every heart condition. We say, God, take the Pharisee out of me. Say that with me. Take the Pharisee out of me. God, take the Pharisee out of us, oh God, that we would walk as liberated sons and daughters. We love you and thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. Hey, um, praise God. Yeah. Our, um, This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.